We speak often about what's going on in the schools. And I have been very clear that if your school has a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, you should be working with the school to have that position eradicated. Because these positions, as we have seen, teach critical race theory and anti-racism, which are bigoted thought processes that teach children to hate, that perpetuate racism, that create animosity among students and amongst adults, that create fear, that are built on lies. Anti-racism training takes away the individual. The individual no longer exists, only the group to which that individual is somehow associated by a reason of birth. Meaning, it doesn't matter what good works you may have done in your life, it doesn't matter what your history is, your experiences are meaningless, you are reduced to the color of skin. That is bigotry. How we are just a full, a few years removed from Sonia Sotomayor telling us that she would be an excellent Supreme Court justice because of the richness of her Latina heritage, her Latina experience. She has turned out to be, by the way, a pretty awful Supreme Court justice who never engages in adjudication, only engages in voting along progressive party lines. Far different uh, than, let's say, a, a Elena Kagan, who actually could give you some things to think about. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I welcome all challenges to this concept. That anyone who has somebody who runs an office for diversity, equity, and inclusion is pushing bigotry. And this is true in schools, and this is true in the workplace. That the ideas of anti-racism and the ideas of critical race theory are nothing but bigotry. That's what they are. Now, to go about explaining this and showing this, allow me to start in Loudoun County, Virginia. The Daily Caller with the story, and good on them. Loudoun County... The public schools there, we have actually played uh, the um, audio of people disgusted with what's happening in their school district because they're pushing all this. They are pushing critical race theory. Critical race theory, by the way, just so we're on the same page, posits that all things can intersect with race, meaning that what you can find is racism anywhere you look, and it teaches people to look for the racism. Things like microaggressions, right? You have to look for it, you have to find it, and there it is. For those of you who don't know where Loudoun County is, Loudoun County is to the northwest of Dulles International Airport in Virginia. It is a suburb of a suburb of... Washington, D.C. Plenty of people, I'm sure, work in Washington, D.C. and live in Loudoun County. Critical race theory teaches children to find racism in all things. It therefore divides kids. It teaches children how to hate. It doesn't teach white kids how to be better people. It teaches everyone how to hate each other or how they feel hated by each other. That's it. 
Not because I say so, but because the stories say so. Because what's happening says so. And there is real pushback when you say these things. Loudoun County Public Schools. An email that was obtained by the Daily Wire. The chairwoman of the Minority Students Achievement Advisory Committee. And this is the quote. This is what she said. I was disheartened to see so much hate and vitriol centered around something that is meant to bring about inclusiveness and equity. While much of the pushback came from parents and other community members, from what I understand, there was also a great deal of negative feedback from Loudoun County Public School teachers that simply cannot and should not be tolerated by anyone employed by the Loudoun County Public Schools. If you oppose critical race theory, you cannot and should not be a, be a teacher. You should be fired. There is absolutely no place for conversation or dissension. There is no place to disagree. There is no place to say, I object. There is no place to say, you're out of your mind. Nope. You will be labeled a bigot. In Indianapolis, Indiana, there is a private school called Park Tudor. People spend real money to get into Park Tudor. And Park Tudor in their in their upper schools, right, their high school, have not only bought into this, but they have gone out of their way to let parents know that if you're opposed to this, your kid can just leave. And other parents who have bought into this hellscape have no problem with trying to verbally attack other parents who disagree, lying about them, insulting them, shaming them. They have bought into a world where they teach children to be bigots, and if you object, you're the bigot. Does anybody else want to know what the, what, what, uh, the backwards nature of Marxism is all about? Because there it is. They don't believe in free speech. They don't believe in another point of view. If you, if you disagree by any stretch, you are a what? Racist. And that's what parents get called at private schools in Indianapolis, Indiana, and all around the country who disagree. And that's what they get called in public schools as well. And as you could see from this public school system, this uh, person who's in charge of the minority students, uh, uh, chairwoman of the Minority Students Achievement Advisory Committee, says those teachers shouldn't be employed who disagree. I take you to the reporting of Christopher Rufo. Christopher Rufo has been doing this reporting for a year now talking about the horror of critical race theory as it gets deployed to government officials, right? Government employees had to sit through this nonsense training. It was Donald Trump who got rid of it. I think it's back. Christopher Rufo pointed out what's going on at the Sandia, Sandia National Laboratory there in New Mexico on this subject, and now writing uh, over at City Journal as he does. He's talking about Santa Clara County. You need a map, people. 
Santa Clara County, California, is one of the most expensive counties you will ever find. Where is Santa Clara? We're talking about Silicon Valley. Santa Clara, San Jose, Mountain View, Palo Alto, Stanford University. Does it sound familiar? This is south of San Francisco, guys. South of Oakland. At the bottom of the bay there. That's what we're talking about. The Santa Clara County Office of Education denouncing the United States as a parasitic system based on the invasion of white male settlers encourages teachers to, quote, cash in on kids' inherent empathy, unquote, to recruit them into political activism. Does that sound like something you want for your kids? White or black, Asian or Hispanic, Christian or Jewish or Muslim, gay or straight, is that something you want for your kids? Is that what you want teachers doing to them? So last year, there was a training on how to deploy ethnic studies in schools. And it began with an acknowledgement that public schools occupy the unceded territory of a specific uh, Native American nation. I believe that's what it is. So we're clear. People have won and lost land for the history of time including in Africa, including in South America, including in Europe. Yes, people came to the United States and just claimed the land. And that's the way it goes. Now, I am a believer that if a deal was made with Native Americans in terms of the, the, the use of land, well then, dear Lord, honor the deal. Honor the, 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 the deal is the, is the way to go. If you want to argue, as producer Ari wants to argue, that they got hustled, there's nothing wrong with the conversation as I see it. But there must be a start line, an acceptance, that has nothing to do with hate, but has to do with reality. This is the way it went. That's it. You can feel bad. You can, you can uh, make a claim that it's not right. You can do all the things you want. It doesn't change anything. America is still America. It's not breaking itself up. Although there are some people who might believe in this. There are people who believe in Reconquista. Right? The idea that California and Arizona are still Mexico. Well, if Mexico wants California and Arizona, I say they're welcome to it. But understand, we're not giving it back to you the way it is now. You're not getting it with Disneyland and with the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're tearing it all to the ground. We're going to burn every building. We're going to rip every pipe out of the ground. And then we're going to salt the earth. Then you can have it back. And we'll see what you rebuild. Christopher Rufo talking about Santa Clara. Presenters who shared that America is a system of oppression based on invasion of white male settlers and exists as long as settlers are living on appropriated land. And then, most importantly, white males brought white supremacy patriarchy, classism, genocide, private property, and God. You've heard them all, but when you hear private property, I think that hits people in a bit of a way. What? Understand that all of this is about being anti-capitalist because all of this 
is about Marxism, as Rufo explains. He notes that a advisor, Jorge Pacheco, says students have to awaken students, or says that teachers have to awaken students to the oppression, lead them to decodify and dismantle the dominant political structures, which enable white people to exploit people of color. And he points out that the language is in the presentation, uh, that's in this presentation, is pure Marxist conflict theory, which is oppressor-oppressed praxis synthesis, right? This is stuff that we're going to start going over. And make sure we understand what praxis is, P-R-A-X-I-S. This uh, teacher admits that the Marxist underpinning scares people away. This is who they are. I take you to Barry Weiss. Writing at her substack, Barry Weiss, B-A-R-I-W-E-I-S-S, barryweiss.substack.com, a piece that's actually written by a teacher. She's reposting it. Paul Rossi, I refuse to stand by while my students are indoctrinated. I am a teacher, he writes, at Grace Church High School in Manhattan. Ten years ago, I changed careers when I discovered how rewarding it is to help young people explore the truth and beauty of mathematics. I love my work. As my teacher, as a teacher, my first obligation is to my students. But right now, my school is asking me to embrace anti-racism training and pedagogy that I believe is deeply harmful to them and to any person who seeks to nurture the virtues of curiosity, empathy, and understanding. Anti-racism, anti-racist training, the the teacher goes on to say. Sounds righteous, but it is the opposite of truth in advertising. It requires teachers like myself to treat students differently on the basis of race. Anti-racism posits that you fight discrimination with discrimination, and you fight future discrimination with discrimination. Said differently, it teaches people to hate based on color of skin it assumes and decides guilt without knowledge of the person again obliterating the individual and assigning them to a group and if you should disagree well they've got a term for that that they call white fragility That anybody who disagrees who is white, they're just too fragile to accept the truth. Remember, if you're black and you disagree, you're just a traitor. I mean, they've got a word for that. They call it Uncle Tom, right? They've had that for years, so don't you worry about that. They had you covered long ago. But if you're white, you're too fragile to accept the truth. Why would anybody want to teach that? Why would anybody want to live that life? Why would anybody want to be so subsumed, consumed with that hate? This is why diversity officials need to be, and offices need to be removed from colleges, removed from high schools. And if they have it, you got to stand up by the thousands and say no. They are bigots. It doesn't matter what they call you. The receipts are here. They are bigots. They are who they are. And we absolutely, absolutely have to fight them. I'm in for that fight. My kids are worth it. I only hope yours are as well. I'm Tony Katz. Tropicana is selling to Bally's. This is the strip, people. Now, I I will admit that I'm not a, a, a gambler. 
right? I, I've done uh, some gambling, and I get angry when I lose. This is why I am not a gambler. I am also not a gambler because not only do I get angry, I think I can win it back. Yeah, that's the fallacy, dude. It's fun. Yeah, except I know this about myself, and I knew this about myself as a young man. And I realized that if I do this, things can get bad. That's impressive that you can recognize that yourself. It is. It's. I, I never had that issue with alcohol. I never had that issue with anything. Like I, I just don't ever. I've never had those addictions. I've never even had a, a, a taste, a feel, a push towards it. The first time I was in Vegas, I think it was Vegas. The first time. And I'm and I'm I forget what I was playing. Was I playing blackjack? Because I didn't know craps at the at the time. I said, Oh, oh. Like I felt it. Wow, good for you. And and I and I left. And that's where I actually developed, like when I do conferences and when I, at midnight, I'm gone. Bye. Nice. I like that. Nothing good can take place after midnight. It's like closing a bar. Um, <laughs> that's right. My father warned me about closing bars when I was 12. Wait. No good can come if you close a bar. Why would he bring that up to you at 12? Because my father was criminally insane and still is. <laughs> no, he's not. Oh, oh, please. You haven't met him. Trust me on this. But Tropicana is such a name, right? That is such an old school name. I am curious if they're going to keep the name and try and rebuild it. It's selling for $308 million. It's a 1,500-room hotel, casino, theater, and convention property. What I'm wondering is whether or not they're going to tear it down and, and, and rebuild. Yes. Or whether or not they're going to try and just simply redo. You have to tear it down. What's really weird is that Bally's Corp does not own Bally's Las Vegas on the Strip. That's owned and operated by Caesar Entertainment. So this is really their, their, their for, for um, Rhode Island-based Bally's Corp. It's their first property. But you keep the name, right? It's Tropicana. Oh, most definitely, Dino. I'm Tony Katz. So who is this Bachelor guy, contestant dude who came out as gay? Colton Underwood. So he's the guy who is like, I'm not having sex until marriage. That is, That was his shtick on The Bachelor, yeah. Right? It turns out maybe not so much a shtick as, uh, hey, I, I've got a reason for this. Yeah, maybe. So are they arguing? So this guy was on The Bachelor. Was he actually The Bachelor at one time or was he competing? No, he was the, like, he was the guy all the women were competing for. He was The Bachelor. Yes. So did he hustle them? Did he hustle uh, the show? Yeah. Uh, so I, man, that's a good question. I mean, I, I must admit, people are psychotic about The Bachelor. They're insane about that show. I don't watch it if only because I love myself. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. But I, I'm curious... As to whether or not this guy made a claim, a representation about himself that was not true, right? That's the question. I, did he did he say it just to get on TV? No, because that that would have been. I'm guessing he 
didn't realize he was fully gay because he's super religious. So I think he just didn't want to admit it because no one would ever subject themselves to dating 25 women if they knew they were gay. I, I honestly don't know how to answer that one. I am just curious as to how that is going to to come together. I'm curious how people are going to respond, if people are going to be angry uh, about it, if people are going to go after him about it. No chance. Very, very curious. I, 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 it's going to be a story, guys, because it's going to have more to it than just the um, just the, the 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 points of oh my gosh, he's gay. It's going to be, whoa, did you just scam a whole show? You just scam a whole country, baby? He oh, yeah, scam them. I don't know if he did or he didn't. Don't say it like that, though. What? The people are going to bring it up exactly like that, Producer Ari. They're going to question whether or not this guy scammed uh, the audience, whether he scammed uh, the show. I think... Most people are especially sympathetic to allow gay people to come out on their own time. So I feel like this is going to be more of a a positive reception more than a negative. If there's one email to a friend, wait till you see what I'm going to do. Okay, well, if that happens, that's going to be insane. Let's let's you know let us change the the subject and get into something very important. The size of Andrew Cuomo's balls. What are you talking what? about? What is that a problem? Yes. Well, I, I I don't think it's a problem. <gasps> I sure don't think it's anything to yell about. It's a story. That's so gross. Joe Biden, according to sources, once spoke. <laughs> About how big Cuomo's are because he was just tough and willing to do anything. Oh, I mean, that's a common expression. (laughs) He supposedly said to someone, can I tell you my favorite thing about the governor? He's got tremendous balls. Absolutely enormous. Um, this is not a story that plays well for, uh, for Governor Cuomo, which, which, you know, normally a story like this would, right? Here, here you've got a, uh, a guy saying, oh, he's a tough guy. He'll, he'll just do anything, man. Oh yeah. And it is, of course it's an expression. We, we all, we all get that. But this goes to the idea that he is a bully and he's a thug and he is abusive and he's uh, sexually duplicitous. It goes to all of those things. This story is damaging, damaging to, to Governor Cuomo because it puts into the mind, yeah, this is a guy who thought he could do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants, and he did, they didn't think the rules apply to him, which is, is very clear. He in no way thought the rules applied to him. That much is true. Meanwhile, I, just, I, needed, I needed to change the subject, and so I did. This brings us to story number three. 
Um, story number three is a video that got sent my way via social media. And it's a story of what's happening in Venice Beach. Right? Venice Beach is California. Venice Beach is beautiful, or I should really say was beautiful. And Venice Beach is loaded up with homeless encampments. Tents all over the place. And people who are clearly mentally ill, people who are clearly not okay, people who are a bit out of their heads. And I have watched videos of people getting into fights on the streets, video of people screaming and yelling, broad daylight, the middle of the night. Here is one guy spraying bear spray in another guy's face. The second guy who got sprayed is walking away, and the guy with the bear spray is following him to spray him again. It goes on and on and on, this video. And there are people just looking, going for a jog on the beach, like nothing is happening. Something's happening here. This is the society that California said is fine by them. Now, homelessness is of course an issue because homelessness has three parts as, as I see it. And I guess somebody could describe to me how there are more parts, but let me give you the three. There are the people who are down on their luck. There are the people who all have addiction and then there are people who have mental illness, right? The down on the luck part is one that we can all work on and cities and municipalities can work on immediately if not sooner. They can work on how to address this, how to help people who are in need, how to get them into a place where they can get back to their lives because the sooner they're back to a life where they're off the street, the better it is for that city, for that town, for that state, for that neighborhood, for that society, however you want to say it. Drug addiction, getting people into places that can help them, that's not easy. There is nothing easy there. But you can at least try and work the programs in a public-private way that help people. And sometimes it's going to take more than once. If you've ever known anybody with addiction, sometimes it takes more than once. But it is an investment that I would argue that cities should be looking at. Mental illness is extremely difficult, and I'm not sure how you help those people. Some people just want to live on the streets. Some people just cannot be reasoned with. But I think you can definitely help the first group, and you can certainly attempt the long uh, push to help the second group. Doing those things, I think, is extremely important because this issue needs to be addressed. There is one other thing, and that is a society not accepting what's going on on the Venice Beach boardwalk. 
You don't accept homeless encampments. You don't accept people beating each other up in broad daylight. You don't accept people doing drugs in broad daylight or at night. You don't accept the idea of aggressive panhandling. You don't accept it. One of the things that you have to do in situations like this is, is that you cannot give people money. You cannot bring them food. If they want food, they have to go to the place where the food is, whether it be a church group or what have you. People have to know that, the, that this idea that you just, you, just, you just be there in the middle of the street and we'll take care of the rest, unacceptable. Unacceptable. You can't give people money. You can't give them your leftovers. You cannot give money to the aggressive panhandler. And cities that allow aggressive panhandling, those are cities where you should fire the mayor and fire the police chief. People should be forward thinking in dealing with the homeless issue and understanding how it breaks up and who you can help and the time it will take. But it is worth it in the long run to better your neighborhood, to better your city. But it also involves rules. And recognizing that the city must thrive and you cannot allow the homeless to take over. They don't seem to care in Venice. I guess the views are too good and people are still willing to spend the money, even if they have to just stand on a chair to look over the homeless grouping in front of them that are beating each other up. I'm Tony Katz. So Governor Ricketts of Nebraska saying he's rejected a federal request to help house-accompanied migrant children. Not house, house. Tony Katz, great to be with you on Tony Katz today. Disagreeing with the Biden administration, right? Their policy of allowing children to go to sponsors in the U.S. He wants the state's resources used for children already in Nebraska, saying that federal officials, this the reporting from KFOR, uh, our uh, affiliate there in Lincoln, They should work with Central American governments to reunite the children with their families and home countries. Clearly, I'll take credit and say Governor Ricketts is listening to this show, uh, but he may not be. I I don't know. But what he's doing is something that I wholeheartedly agree with when he's saying that he wants state resources used for children already in Nebraska. I take this as a way of saying... Um, the citizen first, the people first. I absolutely believe this, that if there's going to be a taking care of people, I want to take care of those people already in the U.S. first. Extremely important to me. Um, Massively so that we recognize that there is, for lack of a better word, a a hierarchy. The people of the United States come first. I don't know why that's, uh, I don't know why that's so uh, problematic for people or, or, or frightening for people or shocking for people. It's just right. And the people who say otherwise need to be looked at kind of askew and say, well, what are you talking about? Now, speaking of the people who should be looked at askew, that's CNN. Did I share the CNN story? I'll share the CNN story. I mean, I'll get into it now. I'll get into it later. This whole thing, because I I was on uh, Newsmax discussing this, about CNN staffers, you know, gladly admitting that, you know, they're they're in the propaganda business. 
right? We would always show shots of him jogging. Him and Aviator Shades and like as like you paint him as a young geriatric. We were creating a story there that we didn't know anything about, you know. We were, so that's, that's I think that's probably it. Look what we did. We got Trump out. I am a hundred percent Think of what we did, we got Trump out. I was on Newsmax. And uh, and discussing, you know, how they got the Matt Gates story wrong over at at CNN, and and how uh, you know they they talk about he had sex with a minor, he did this, he did that, and and but there's never been, no one has even come out to say, hey, I, I was a victim here. We've got nine people on Andrew Cuomo. We've got a person on Joe Biden. We don't have anybody on Matt Gates. I'm not. I, I, I invest Matt Gates. Investigate Matt Gates. Feel free. But it led me to a conversation that C- CBS lied about Governor Ron DeSantis and the pay-for-play with uh, Publix, the supermarket, right? They donated to his campaign, so they got to do uh, vaccinations. That's not what happened. CBS and 60 Minutes lied about it. CNN, as you just heard there, they worked to help Biden and destroy Trump by pushing narrative and lies. Brian Williams lied about everything, right? Uh, Brian Ross, going back to ABC in the day, lied about the Tea Party. Dan Rather lied about George W. Bush and the Air National Guard. My point being that when the media decides, how dare you refer to us as the enemy of the people? What exactly should I refer to you as? Because you're not a friend. This is who you are. This is what you do. You lie a lot. You lie a lot. We see this. Why in the world should we not should we not notice? And why should we let you in any way, shape, or form off the hook? Maybe you should be called out for your misgivings. Maybe Brian Stelter should stop being a lunatic about whether or not Sean Hannity took a selfie while he was getting a uh, while he was getting a vaccine. <laughs> oh and he should be focused God. on the lies told by his network. He's the media guy, right? All Brian Stelter wants is for Fox people to show themselves getting the vaccine. Why won't they do this? Because they're not egomaniacal psychopaths like yourself who takes a picture. You took a picture of yourself in your underwear doing the show to show how busy you were that you didn't even have time to put on pants. Maybe you shouldn't be so busy you don't have time to put on pants. Maybe you should take the time to put on your pants. Just one man's theory. Just one man's theory but you don't get to lecture to us you don't get to lecture to us no 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 we see you and the media will continue to be called the enemy of the people as long as they continue to lie stomp that's not you don't have to agree with certain people you're allowed to put out opinion out there but when you proactively lie Don't ask us to think nice of you. We don't think nice of you. We think you're garbage. As a matter of fact, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. We know you're garbage. 
Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Get the podcast at TonyKatz.com. Do it right now. This is Tony Katz today.